Jesus went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He was sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. The second reading is from Romans chapter 12. Verses 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good pleasing and perfect will. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning everyone. Thank you for being here today. Um, I hope you enjoyed the quiz a few minutes ago. I wonder if any of it surprised you. We learned, didn't we, that when we look at the world there are lots of reasons to be encouraged. In many ways the world we live in today is a much better place than it was a few decades ago. But we also heard, and this probably wasn't news to you, that the world is in many ways more unequal today than it's ever been. And a lot of its wealth is concentrated in the hands of just a few people. And as well as that, climate change is a relatively new problem that we're contending with, and one that's already having a massive impact on people who live in poverty. There's a lot of bad news out there, isn't there? It's often the bad news that we, that we see and that is most... Um, evident to us. We may sometimes feel that the negative can outweigh the positive. Sometimes it feels that the problems that we're facing seem insurmountable. The future doesn't sometimes seem very hopeful. But I believe that we can have hope for the future. That's partly because we've overcome big hurdles before as a society and we've made advances that we never would have thought possible. But much more importantly, I think we can have hope because of who God is and the plan he has for the world that he's created. The story of the Bible is in many ways the story of God's mission to restore all that was broken when sin came into the world. We see this in the book of Leviticus. I'm sure that's one you're all very familiar with, where God put in place laws that were designed to restore the Israelites' relationship with him and with each other and with creation. We see it in Isaiah, which foresees a time and hints at a person who will bring about God's vision for restoration. And then in Luke chapter 4, the reading that Sarah read for us just now, Jesus announces that he is the one foretold by Isaiah, the one who will bring this promised restoration. We can have hope because we know that Jesus came not just to reconcile us as individuals to God, but also to each other and to the world. And as Christians, we can have hope because despite all the challenges that we face, we know God's kingdom is coming with all its restorative and renewing power. We know that in the end, we will see creation made new. I guess you could say, we know the end of the story. 
But Jesus also came to bring restoration in the here and now. And what's really exciting is that we're invited to be a part of this. And if you've been in church over the last few weeks, you'll know this is something we've been thinking about um, in our series on the marks of mission that Adam mentioned at the beginning. A few weeks ago, we heard from Debbie, and we've just heard it again in, in the Luke reading, that Jesus himself said a key part of his mission was to bring about justice and the transformation of society. He began this work when he was on earth, and he commissioned his disciples to carry it on as a key part of their work. And we, God's people on earth at this point in history, now need to play our part in this work of bringing justice and restoration. It's a central part of how God calls us to live, not an optional extra. It's his work, God's work, and we have the privilege of being part of it. And we know, don't we, that the way we live our lives does have an impact on others, not just those who are close to us geographically, but people all around the world. And we know that sometimes the choices that we make for our comfort or our convenience can make life more difficult for them. We know that we haven't always looked after creation very well, and that poorer countries in particular are beginning to pay the price for that. We'd probably rather not think about it. It is easy for the issues to seem very detached from our reality. And we may also feel that our choices are quite limited anyway, and we can't do much about it. But I want to encourage us that we can choose to have a positive impact with our lives, our actions, and our decisions. In God's strength, we can model a better way of living, a way of hope and restoration. And in doing so, we play a part in advancing his kingdom. The second reading we heard um, described it as not conforming to the pattern of this world. And we can model this better way by the choices we make in our own lives about what we eat, uh, where we shop, how we spend our money, how we travel, how we power our homes, and I'm sure you could suggest countless other ways as well. And we can do it by using our voices to influence those in power through things like signing petitions and meeting, meeting our MPs and writing to them. And Debbie spoke a bit about this a couple of weeks ago. Uh, quick plug, if that's okay. Most of you know by now that um, I work for Tear Fund. Uh, I've, got some, I've got some Tear Fund petition cards with me today um, that asks uh, a really powerful organisation called the World Bank to do more to bring electricity to people in poverty. It's a really easy way to make your voice heard by signing a petition. Uh, I've got some with me. If you'd like one to sign, then do ask me afterwards. All these things do have an impact, and they do help to change culture and attitudes. And of course, many of the things that, that we do to make the world better um, aren't necessarily things that only Christians do. Uh, look at how many people were, were moved to action by the Blue Planet series that David Attenborough did, um, which opened our eyes to the plastic waste crisis. But I do believe the church should be leading the way. For us, living in a way that promotes justice is part of our worship. It's how we demonstrate that we value God's gifts to us. And most importantly, as we've already heard, it's carrying out Jesus' mandate. In a minute, we're going to watch a short film, um, one I was really privileged to be involved in uh, helping to make soon after I started working at Tear Fund. What we wanted the film to do was to inspire individuals and the church with a positive big picture of what the world could look like. And we wanted to do that by telling stories of individual Christians and churches in the UK and beyond who are helping to bring this vision about by living differently, praying and speaking up. 
And afterwards, we'll spend just a couple of minutes um, talking about the issues that it raises um, with those who are sitting near us. But first, I just want to close with some words um, from a colleague of mine at Tear Fund um, who speaks a lot at various events and, and conferences and festivals um, on issues of justice and creation care and restoration and why she thinks it's so important uh, that we take God's call seriously and that we play our part. And she says this. In those moments when I wonder if the effort is worth it, I'm reminded of why I'm doing this. This is a part of my worship to Jesus, to seek justice for those living in poverty by caring for creation. The world needs people who refuse to accept things the way they are and who open up a new path for others to follow. And she says, will you join me? Let's watch the film. Imagine a world where poverty and inequality don't exist, where everyone has enough and creation is well cared for. Over the last 50 years, we have seen huge progress in tackling poverty. At the same time, the way we live now cannot continue. A billion people remain trapped in poverty. The gap between rich and poor is growing wider and the Earth's resources are being stretched to breaking point. Together, we have come so far in our fight against poverty. But if we don't take action on inequality and climate change, there is a danger it will all unravel. But our faith gives us hope for a different story. The Bible sets out God's plan to restore our broken relationships with him, with one another, and with creation. And by following him, we can play our part in this restoration story. In Tanzania, this includes tackling extreme poverty and the effects of our changing climate. I see Jesus himself set an example whilst he was on earth. When you read Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, Jesus preached, Jesus healed, Jesus taught. But in Mark chapter 6, verse 30, he fed those 5,000 people. So Jesus told the good news, but at the same time, he made sure that people got what was missing in their lives. For people living in poverty to get food, to get clothes, to ensure that their children go to school, and to have access to services like hospital treatment. That is the good news for people living in poverty. So, one law of the global church is actually going to the community, see the challenges they are facing, and then take action. As followers of Jesus, we are called to put our faith into action, restoring relationships through the way we live our lives. Before I started thinking about activism, church was just something I did on a Sunday. So I didn't really make the connection between my faith and maybe how I was living my day to day. And I didn't even think that my everyday life, which to me sometimes feels like lots of um, insignificant moments were important to God in that way. Every choice that I make affects someone else and I have to be aware of that. So I switched to an energy supplier that gets their energy from renewable sources of energy. Um, I only buy secondhand clothes, so I only shop in charity shops. And then over like the last couple of years, I then went um, pescatarian, vegetarian, and now I'm vegan. The choices we make about the food that we eat or the clothes that we wear also then runs in parallel with making my Christian walk more relevant. 
Each of us needs to play our part in restoring relationships. But thankfully, this isn't a journey we take on our own. I just see in the word of God that our God is a God of justice. And actually, as his people, we really need to reflect that. And um, I work for our church as a lay pastor and do all sorts of um, community outreach projects and think about how, as a church, we, um, we bring about the kingdom of God in Latin. A few years back, a supermarket approached us and asked us whether we would like their surplus food. We mainly collect fresh produce, so we're able to give a load to food bank. Our church is open all week, and um, we have posters around um, town, and people can come in and just help themselves. Our lifestyle as a Christian is so fundamental to the outworking of our faith. God is a God of of justice and restoration and all these things help bring about the kingdom of God. The Christian faith has provided hope for restoring broken relationships for generations, from the abolition of slavery to campaigns by Tear Fund and others on debt relief and climate change. Tear Fund is bringing together these stories of restoration and hope to show how a movement of Christians is coming together to play our part. Our local MP um, was Minister of State for Climate Change and had a number of very interesting correspondence with him um, and eventually we negotiated he would come to speak on a Saturday. He continually asked, why are you passionate about this? And I think, again, this is a sign that there are lots of people who are interested in why we're concerned about the environment, about climate change. Um, and when they ask, why are you passionate, we have permission to talk about God. What we say and what we are have to resonate. What happens next in the story is up to all of us. Wherever we are in the world, by taking action and living differently, we can start to see relationships restored with God, with one another, and with creation. I grew up in Uganda in a very, very poor family. Growing up in extreme poverty meant that I have seen people who have touched my life. And so I don't want to see people going through it. If I can help someone, I will do it. All of us have a part to play. The church is the instrument that Jesus left here on earth to address the problems of inequality, of poverty, of climate change. And I am part of that church. I will play my part. The church is waking up and answering God's call to restore relationships with him, with neighbors near and far, and with creation through how we live our lives, in our prayers, in our churches, and with our voices as we speak out against injustice. As we play our part in this restoration story, we join in the vision of people released to live life the way God intended. Where we go next is up to all of us. What part will you play in this story?